0: Hello from Raid. Uh We are live for Let's Talk It Over eight. Um, yeah, it's been um, it's been a journey already, but um, it's number eight tonight. Oh, Brian, you've changed. I oh, know you've switched lights on. I thought you had changed. Uh, I bike. changed.
1: I put a jacket on as
0: well. <laughs> <laughs> you did change. That was um, cold tonight. So how 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 is everyone? Oh, Oh. disgustingly well. (laughs)
2: Unacceptably well, personally.
3: As they say in Turkey, (laughs) what are you using?
4: (laughs) Oh, it's all natural. We remain confused. We remain confused. We're waiting for Yanis to take over the fucking world so that we can all relax, knowing that we have good government (laughs) from Diemikoshipende or, what? you know, and Brian, Brian is part of this political movement as well. That well, is why...
3: You're not from me, Roger, what? as far as I
4: understand. What she you are
3: expecting anything from me, I guess.
2: Well, you're part of DiEM too, oh, whether you like I it or not. So Eche. Eche. there you are, Eche. Eche. Yeah. Eche. You are part of it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> is the-
3: no, no I'm mean like, yeah, your name. <laughs> we
2: we, we will fun. create another huge power in the Eastern Mediterranean between Greece and Turkey.
3: Yeah.
2: A
4: powerful Uh, good this time.
3: Yeah, you H- not- H- excuse me, I'm
4: sorry. Obviously, I've made a terrible faux pas. I have blundered into areas that I'm, where I'm not very sure-footed. So are you part of DM? I'll <laughs> oh, there as well. DM- I 20- am.
3: I also yeah, from- there oh, you are. Oh,
4: oh, oh. In that case, I shall lean towards you for solutions as well. <laughs> <laughs> and excuse my error and my ignorance. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway, yeah it's a funny old world no mistake right brian
0: no mistake about that
4: uh, well we're looking it's for a funny old... we're, we're looking, at, we're oh, looking sorry, for,
0: yeah. you're the chairman no no we yeah. are we are looking for solutions i, I was going to say that it's it is a funny old world and but in this funny old world there, there are still things that happen sometimes that we can be happy about and um, this is like Chile for example and i think we should definitely have a, another show on on Chile and the recent election and what it says for the for the rest of the world and if we can you know um what what it says for the rest of south america but anyway tonight so the last show we had was on the global climate crisis um we some, some, somehow established sort of the facts, what 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 went, what was wrong, um, but uh, when we ended the show, Brian had this great idea, you know, and he said, you know, we should be starting the new year, 2022, on a positive empowering powerful note and we should discuss about potential solutions you know we know it's bad it's very bad but what can we do to actually make things better and and so this is what this show is going to be about um because i guess hopefully we the five of us believe that there's still a way to change this radically wrong world that we live in um so yes, and by the way, for everyone who's watching us, um I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um if you want to support the show, you know feel free to like the video, subscribe to the channel you you're probably watching on d m twenty five or on let's talk it over youtube any platform is fine you know like the video, subscribe to the platform the more we are the the merrier um, and So to discuss about all this, we decided to invite again um, Dipti uh, Batnagar, Dipti, I'll say again, for those who haven't watched the last show, she's the international program coordinator for climate justice and energy um, at Friends of the Earth Mozambique, and she also works on climate justice and dirty energy in this organization. And we are also going to um, to welcome Assad Rehman, um, a comrade who's been involved in uh, many, many sort of issues around social justice. Assad might actually join us in about five minutes because he's, he's had to give a the opening speech at the for the COP26 coalition. Um, so I'll actually give a brief intro for Assad once he joins us. Um, Joanne, who is the guy in charge of logistics, feel free. Yeah, so here he, oh, yeah, Assad, I think will join us when he's finished with his intro. Dipti, great to see you again. Um, Hi,
5: everyone. Happy to be I back in the pub with all of you. <laughs>
0: And uh, so, yeah, I don't know if you listened to my rubbish intro, but I was saying that we still we believe that she did. She she did.
4: Yeah, she listened
0: to it. We all did. We've
4: we've been here for hours and hours and hours. Can we get on with it?
0: (laughs) I want to hear. Let's get on with it,
4: Brian. What's the solution? (laughs) Let's hear the solutions. Let's. Okay, can I start? Is
1: it all right? Go on. So, so Brian. Yeah, we're ten minutes in already. So, so the good news is that. Although we're facing probably the biggest challenge that humanity has ever faced, we're also seeing the biggest movement in human history to deal with it. Um, And it's a huge, huge movement. It involves hundreds of millions of people who are in some way concerned with and working towards dealing with um, climate change. And it doesn't get anything like the media attention it deserves for a movement of this size. And it's partly because the media still have their radar focused in the wrong direction. They're looking at politicians and they're looking at um, all of the people who traditionally were considered to be the ones who made change. There is arguable whether they ever were the ones. Um, but it's not the story it should be. So one thing I think that would make a very big difference in the next little while, and it's starting to happen, is, that, is when people start looking around and realizing how many of us there are. We, we are not the David in this story, the David fighting the Goliath. Actually, we're the Goliath. There's lots of us. Um, but the Davids have much better publicity machines than we do, and the Davids control the, uh, the media. So, so the story is not being told well. And one of the things I realized at COP26 cop was how powerful and, and how multitudinous this movement is. And I also realized how fucking hopelessly organized it is. I have never seen such technical incompetence as I've seen among the activists at COP26. The ludicrous situation of... The most interesting people on earth being flown all the way to glasgow from tasmania or sri lanka and given a mic that doesn't work and there (laughs) being nobody in the room who knows what to do about it it was (laughs) so maddening i thought why don't they just have some roadies here one of the big problems with this movement is that it is it has originated among a very narrow echelon of people i think it's getting bigger now but the people organizing these things seems to me in general are very well intentioned very intelligent but hopeless at anything that involves dealing with the physical real world even though that's what they all claim to be talking about so so i think we have to broaden a lot uh, and i think there are a lot of people who'd be very happy to join the movement if they felt that their skills were understood and and appreciated Um, so that's the next part of this movement for me is getting the army in place the army that is going to pull this push this movement forward and that means getting the not just the generals and the lieutenants but the soldiers ready sorry to go military on you <laughs>
4: but i <should> hope so.
1: <laughs> but I, th- I think it is that kind of struggle um we have to we have to work at two levels really we have to work on one on the one hand of for taking over the media representation of this movement um and taking it out of the hands of the idiots who are currently telling the story and we have to work at the other extreme as well which is getting ordinary people with skills with physical skills and competences road managers for instance you know the people who organize tours some of the most creative people on the earth as roger will tell you are road crews they have to improvise all the time in situations which they've never seen before and they're really good at it and that's a sort of echelon of people that came out of popular culture and puts any army to shame in terms of initiative and improvisational skills. So why aren't we working with those people? Anyway, the good news is that that's starting to happen I think. We're just starting to realize that we need people who understand how a microphone works. <laughs> okay, I'll shut up for a while because there's lots of other no, That
4: was good. Well said. The thing about <laughs> rock and roll, which I obviously I couldn't I'm with you a thousand percent the two words that spring to mind when you think about life in rock and roll and about the people that you're talking about the road crews all those peripheral people who go together to put on weirdly complex shows and performances all over the two words that spring to mind are family yeah. and circus yeah.
0: interestingly
4: yeah. enough yeah so it may be that what you're suggesting in some way peripheral to what you were saying is that we need to create a circus that people will look at
2: mm-hmm. that's a
3: good way yeah. in yeah. order to
4: create that circus that will attract the attention of the pe of the army that you're looking to um galvanize mm-hmm. we need a sense of family because that is what that's what unites people in these kind of endeavors. And that's why they work themselves, you know, to the bone to and, and that's why they get that enormous sense of satisfaction when the thing happens. And yeah, we were all part of it and it happened. And doesn't this feel good to what to act as as a community? So thanks yeah. for that analogy.
1: That's that circus is a very good idea. That's that's a really
4: strong thought that we're well, well, I'm glad you, I'm glad you agree because we you immediately in, the, in that in your little speech there big speech there, you know you used they're much better at propaganda than we are. Mm-hmm. It's weird that I'm talking about this upcoming tour of mine as well, or I was we were in the preamble to this earlier, because that's what I, what I will be focusing on, if and when is trying to be part of that circus. So people will actually come and listen to what the clowns have to say and go, you know what, that actually, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, maybe it would be good to run away with the circus rather than just continuing to um, incinerate ourselves. Happily, pour kerosene over ourselves and light the match, which mm. is what the human race is doing as we speak, yeah, wishing to seem too negative about anything
0: <laughs> and now i'll shut up before before we continue Assad, as you've seen, has entered our uh, our circus, uh, so I want to briefly introduce Assad so Thanks a bunch, Asad, for joining us. Um, Assad, you are the Executive Director of the Radical Anti-Poverty and Social Justice Organization War on Want. You're also the co-coordinator of the Global Green New Deal project and you were one of the founders of the COP26 coalition and its lead spokesperson. So, um, again, Thanks, thanks, uh, thanks, Emilian, for joining us tonight. Um, a real
6: Thank you, Frank, and everybody.
3: Welcome, Asad. Welcome,
0: you, You've missed the first ten minutes where a, a lot of very deep stuff were we already said. You know, deep tea—no pun intended—but uh, 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 so, hey, I, I want to bring in deep tea because you um, are you one of these people that doesn't know how to use a mic.
5: I definitely know how to use a mic. I'm super privileged. I mean, you know, I I really recognize my own privilege and background as well, and that is so different from people around me here in Mozambique, one of the poorest countries in the world. What I do think that Brian alluded to that is important to understand in our movements is that we have very few resources so the everything you said brian about the propaganda machine the media machine is completely turning away from the fact that we do have this giant movement and there are tons and tons of people involved partly it's because we do not have the resources to be as loud as some of the others are being and 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 i think that is part of the values of the movement it's not like we want millions of dollars to be able to you know, to be able to to do our tactics and strategies, because it's also about that change of value systems that we need to bring about as part of the solutions, right? We want to build a world where it's not money that's driving people's decisions. So it's not like we, we want to use a tool that then we're not, you know, when we're, we're trying to build a different kind of world. Um, so I think that, I, th- I think that it's because we don't have a whole lot of resources. That and, and sometimes we're really bad at technology and we need our rock stars and our you know writers to be part of this movement so that we bring something to the table and you bring something to the table. And we would love, Roger, to have some of your crews to help us put together events. <laughs> My goodness, that would be completely amazing. But the focus of what you were saying, Brian, was that people power and i completely agree with this people power and movement building and mobilization are the keys right now to the solutions that we want to build and I, and i want to and i want to give props to you for that because i think that is the really important point that you were raising and that is what we are working on because unless we have a huge amount of people coming along with us we're not going to win this battle and and we we need to build a movement where everyone sees themselves you know even someone with privilege i was born in india i find myself here in mozambique there is a place for me in this movement and that is what i have come to and that's what i'm that's what my approach is how can i make everyone feel like they have a place in this movement as long as they understand their privilege but they come along with us in this journey you know what i mean
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Can I just make one brief comment on that? Um, it's, It's not only resources that is the problem, I think. It's the first of all understanding that this aspect of communication is important. It's important that we take over the propaganda machine and it's important that we don't act as though everyone agrees with us. One of the things I felt at COP was that people didn't really mind if the mic didn't work because they thought everyone was in agreement. Everyone, well, Anyway, there was no argument to be had. It didn't really matter. People had turned up. That was good enough. And then you just say the same things that you always say and everyone is supposed to agree with it. Um, so it seemed to me that there wasn't really much of an effort to communicate outside of the circle that was already there. So this is a... This is a problem of presentation, really. It's a problem of, thi- of not believing that anyone who isn't already persuaded is going to listen to you anyway. So you just talk to your pals, you know, and you all agree together that you're all right and wonderful people for having these thoughts. So we've
2: got to widen the circle a bit. Can I just. Oh, sorry. i hand. Please go
3: ahead.
2: No, 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 (laughs) no. This
3: circus metaphor tells a lot, actually. Uh, Roger, you're right. Let's all join the circus. But unfortunately, as we all know, ordinary people do not join the circus. And I think part of the problem is that, uh, you know, the circus situation. I think Brian uh, says something about that as well when he says... Uh, ordinary people meaning I don't know what that means really but in this context I think uh, those who are actually seeing in their daily lives that there is something happening to the planet but it's so complex they don't understand and they are seeing a circus mostly operating on its own and not really welcoming people in there is this uh, in leftist moments uh, especially in the 20th century there was this arrogance of we know it's right and everybody should know the truth and if everybody knows the truth truth, they would act accordingly unfortunately life doesn't function like that and we are in living in an age where facts do not convince people it is all about politics of emotions and about propaganda machines about how you say things uh what how you make people feel like, and so on. So one of the things uh, that strikes me is that all this fear, all this confusion uh, boils down to nothing in terms of political action. So when I dig deeper, I see uh, polarization, I see losing faith in our own kind, and I see extreme reluctance for action, especially for the others even though some mutual aid groups could the otherwise the opposite during the pandemic. Uh, the ordinary, the mass, do not, is not really convinced that humankind is worth uh, acting for or doing political action for. So, uh, I think uh, there is a bit of politics of emotions, zeitgeist, and... Uh, and mostly zeitgeist, we have to struggle against, and it's not easy. And I'm sure Dipti and Assad had have, have, have a lot to say about this because they are doing the grassroots work and they are noticing these things in person on a daily basis.
2: If I may butt in here, uh, Brian, this is the first time I'm going to disagree with you. We are <laughs> we are David. It's probably the first time, or the second time, you know. <laughs> uh, we, we, are, we are not Goliaths. Uh, we are the many. The, we are the 99.9%. We always were. Every regime, feudalism, slavery, you know, the, the, the regime of the Roman Empire that Spartacus fought against, you know, the slaves and the peasants were always in the majority. But they were always the David because of the concentration of power and primarily the widespread belief amongst the many Amongst the peasants, amongst the victims of climate change, and so on, that there's nothing they can do. That, yes, all these arguments of the COP26 coalition, of Extinction Rebellion, there are them, even if they agree with them, they think, yeah, but what can we do? This is why we need programs like today, and we need to be a bit more specific, because today we are meant to come together and talk about. You know, fixing the climate that uh, the climate equilibrium that capitalism broke, and yeah, you know, I want to focus on this if I may, because you know capitalism is fantastic at creating technologies that could solve all or most of humanity's problems, but at the same time, from the same production line that this technology comes out of, you have the inactivism, the inability of the system to deploy these technologies in the interests of, of humanity. Uh, and this is where we need to step in because technologically, I mean, let's, let's talk about solutions to climate change, shall we? Technologically, we're not yet there. We do not have the technology yet now in 2022 to fix the climate, but we are 85% there. Uh, we need, um, you know, if, if if we could shift the subsidies that are going to fossil fuels, if we, if we could shift them to renewables, to insulation, to conservation, to degrowth, uh, and then you added to that um, a carbon tax, which is revenue neutral, in the sense that you what you collect, you return to the poorer nations and to the poorer people within nations, okay, um, we would be... Very close to solving climate change, but politically we 're nowhere near this because the very very few the one percent of the one percent make a hell of a lot of money by preventing these solutions and What are the solutions to be a bit more specific i 'll just try to be very succinct first renewable solar and wind is the future they already undercut uh, on pure cost basis, even on on capitalist terms uh, If you take subsidies out, they already undercut um, the energy generation of two thirds of the population. So this kind of, a global carbon tax, which that, that is returned to the, the poor uh, systematically, as well as the physical closure of mines, not just divestment. It, we just don't want you know BHP to divest from a coal mine in Australia. We want the, the mine to close down because if BHP leaves, some other Unscrupulous operator will operate it, and then the big problem, which I'm sure you will bring up, Brian, is the problem of in- intermittency. That with co- with solar and with wind, there's the problem of storage. How do you store um, uh, energy um, for the um, windless nights? This is this is the one argument behind nuclear, behind natural gas, behind coal. Uh, I I think that we are already getting close to solving this problem without gas extraction and without nuclear. And let me be specific on this. Batteries are a solution for the household, for the electric car. They are not a solution for storage generally, but there are other solutions. And here are two, Um, you see, I'm trying to focus on solutions. One is cryogenic compressed air already in Texas. There are very successful projects uh, that use wind and solar power during the day or during windy moments in time to compress air cryogenically and then to, decomp- to allow the decompress to produce energy when there is no wind and there is no sun. And primarily, there is a, I'll give you an example net power in the United States, already using uh, the Alam cycle very, very successfully in this. But the holy grail of storage is green hydrogen. Um, Already, last Monday, last Monday, uh, Nicola Sturgeon, Premier of Scotland, the government of Scotland auctioned off 23 gigawatts of uh, wind power, okay, and received, the state, the the Scottish government received 700 million pounds from 70 companies bidding in order to generate from floating wind turbines on, you know, in the middle of the North Sea, more than the, the whole amount of energy the United Kingdom needs, not just Scotland, the United Kingdom needs. So, and the, the point is to convert this into green hydrogen, which can then be used to fuel tankers, to, uh, to, a, to power the big industries, which cannot be operated on battery power. Uh, steel, cement, glass, chemicals, and fertilizers. We are on the way to been doing that. Yeah. And once the, the carbon tax that I'm referring to reaches something like seventy dollars a ton, then gas even is going to struggle financially to compete. Now for, of course, for all that, you need politics to intervene because the market will never allow this to happen. The yeah. Capital will never allow that to happen. and let me just you know put my preemptive strike first, Brian nuclear. Yeah. Let me tell you why I wholeheartedly reject nuclear. There are three reasons for that. Firstly, too late, too costly. If we, if we were to decide today in Greece, in Turkey, in Britain and so on, to invest massively on nuclear power stations in order to, um, to, to replace natural gas, to replace, uh, you know, to, to provide the storage, the, 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 the non-intermittent uh, voltage that is necessary, it would take between 10, 10 and 12 years before they come online. Minimum, minimum, it could take 15, but the minimum is 10 to 12 years. Uh, by the time they are built, they will be obsolete. And they will certainly be too expensive compared to other methods that I already um, mentioned. Secondly, far more important, who can build power stations? Six oligarchic companies. So you need to mobilize public resources to fund six or seven oligarchs or oligarchic firms to create even more oligarchic capitalist power, which will, in 10, 12, 15 years, give you electricity. Uh, The last thing the Green Movement needs is to advocate for this combination of big finance and big oligopolistic business. And finally, nuclear power makes us all hostage to a security state. Because by definition, nuclear power stations require a lot of security, not just guards, but you need uh, uh, you need surveillance, you need a spy network to ensure that uh, terrorists do not take over the, the asylum the nuclear power stations and so on. Um, as Tony Ben explained very vividly once upon a time, what he learned from running the nuclear power industry in Britain, uh, back in the 1970s, early 1970s, and 60s and 70s, was that once you set up this security apparatus around nuclear power stations, you create a state within a state which can never be controlled democratically. And the last thing we need to promote in, this, in the context of green, green transition is this oligarchic state apparatus system that will produce what? Sustainable electricity? That's unsustainable, but non-carbon dioxide emitting electricity in 15 years it will be too late then so there that was my bid to remain faithful
0: to the idea of, 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 of you know coming up with particular solutions okay i want to bring asad in i think asad you you want the, the mic mm-hmm. as well and i think we've what yanis said is probably you know a lot of stuff you want to respond to uh, before i let you speak i i i would agree with um who said that? edge uh, Around me, when I talk about the climate crisis to people, most of the time they think the task is too big. Right? This t-nasty. There's no alternative. Yes, Frank, we agree with you 100%. But what can we do? It's too big, anyway. It's not about me having less showers or me, you know, um, you know, drinking my cocktail with a whatever, you know, a metal straw. It's, it's bigger than that, and there's nothing us the 99.9% can do about this. So uh, what would you respond to this, Asad, and to everything that Yanis has just said?
3: Uh, can I, you know, as a, I'll put it in a uh, question form to Asad and Dipti as well before they speak. Yanis said that capitalism is so fantastic and we are not uh, Goliath but David, which is, I think, is true. Uh, a Chubby David, but still a David. Um, I think it was last week or two weeks before when Davos uh, made a a statement saying that capitalism should be transformed or renewed or reconsidered, whatever. Uh, The right-wing mass media uh, started this rumor saying that Davos is bringing communism. So capitalism is so fantastic that even the kings of it cannot control it anymore so we are actually fighting against such a uh, such a big massive propaganda machine so, I wonder what DJ and Assad would say about this. Uh, about okay, the, I, need,
2: I need to buy in by. Please, phobia. not put in my, in my mouth the words that capitalism is fantastic. I said, capital said capitalism, that. Fantastic capitalism is so fantastic. No, said, no, hang, no, hang on. Not out of context. Capitalism is fantastic at producing amazing technologies, exactly. which exactly. then turns against media. the interest media. of.
3: Amazing uh, propaganda. Uh, 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 let
2: me finish my sentence because I'm going to die if you allow this kind of of out-of-context reference to go without comment. I said, capitalism is fantastic at generating technologies which then are turned against the interests and survival probability of humanity. So capitalism is what has broken climate. It will never fix it. It has produced technologies that we must take over while overthrowing capitalism in order to save humanity so let i had to <laughs> i had to clarify that
3: okay i think it's so fantastic uh, about said, producing uh, propaganda so i referred to that that's right
0: you've got <laughs> the floor i said
6: so much to, yeah. to comment on i don't even know where, where to begin so let, let me just first start on that point so yeah. uh, uh, on one level you can say you know capitalism is great at finding technology right but of course, uh, it isn't able to deploy it, right? I mean, what better uh, example have we got than COVID, right? And the vaccines, right? We have something that's existentially a threat to the economies of the global north and to their citizens, and yet rich countries have blocked the sharing of the recipe and treatment of vaccine, knowing full well that the vaccine will therefore mutate, et cetera, because ultimately, the profit motive and the control of pharmaceuticals has been put central, central to it. The question about, you know, look, you know, sometimes I think we have to accept that neoliberalism's uh, greatest victory has not been what's happened to the economy or and, and, and the restructuring of the global economy, it's what it's done to all of us and our ability to be able to even imagine an alternative, right? So, so many people just don't think that anything else is possible, right? So, we have to rebuild that. So, we have to, and so storytelling, I think is absolutely really, really important. know, neoliberalism, has said, you know, the end of history, there was nothing before neoliberalism, there will be nothing before, after neoliberalism. We've got to remind people that actually every change that has ever happened in the world has come about because of us collectively our people power now when we think about solving the climate crisis I think we have to step away first say what is the crisis we're trying to solve right so we know that there are four profound crises and they're all inter- interconnected and it's all part of capitalism we know we've got a climate crisis we've got in the carbon budget for limited temperatures to well below 1.5 maximum eight years at a two and three chance uh a, a, a breach in the 1.5 that's how much carbon budget there is we've got a crisis of inequality half the world surviving unless the equivalent of five dollars fifty you know half, half the world still without access to electricity or clean cooking two billion people going hungry we've got a crisis of of material use right sustainable level of material use 50 billion 50, uh, uh uh billion tons we're at 89, we're predicted to go to what 169 in the coming decades. We're breaching every planetary limit. And of course, the fourth one is we know these transitions are unjust and unfair because we've locked in a system. Colonialism, imperialism, neoliberalism that has sacrificed and created whether it's from debt, tax, trade, all of these things that keeps the global size. So at this moment, absolutely, we have to. F- I always say to all environmentalists, the one thing they should have in their in their offices is that picture of the gilets jaunes, the yellow vests in, in France, and that banner that they had on their first march, which said, the elites worry about the end of the world. We ordinary people, we worry about the end of the month. Until we progressives can connect these two together, we won't have a solution. Now, is a solution technology? I think there's a problem, Yanis, with what you're proposing, right? Because, look you know, even if we are transforming our electricity sector, that's only 25% of all the energy that is used, right? The majority of energy is used for the economy. We have to reduce energy by about 60% whilst increasing energy demand by about 60% to meet energy poverty. Is that possible by simply thinking about technology? Or do you need to say, well, actually to transform, whether it's the energy system or the food system, which are two critical components, We have to go much more profound about, you have to see energy and and food and land and water as public goods again. We have to have that fight again, democratically controlled, equitably shared. So I don't want to get into a conversation about less. I want to get into a conversation about better. And the getting into the conversation about better requires us to be able to describe a vision of the world that we want, right? And then have the concrete political demands. Now we know there are a million things that need to be changed. But there are some threads of the tapestry of neoliberalism that if you undid would start to actually weaken the whole architecture right so energy and food are critical ones we don't land we know living wages social protection all these things that directly relate to the majority of people so when we ask also ourselves the question you know how does this connect with where people are we should also recognize it depends on where you are in the world. Because for most people in the global south and in movement, the fight around land, food, and energy and living wages and so on, is an everyday fight. That might be in the global north, we still say, oh, well, we're just being told about individual behavior. And, and so we have a slightly different fight, I think, depends on, on where we are. But we know that this moment we're in, in the crisis of capital as we see it, that inequality and poverty are the key determinants now there's a reason why the right use inequality and poverty as an argument against climate right if you look at the rise of the populist right they're all using this is green crap on the poorest people the poorest people will be will will pay the price and so we're right we can look backwards and say the greatest defeat of, of environmentalism was the fact that climate was controlled by environmentalists right so they talked about in technology they talked about in parts per billion in temperature rises and not about warm homes for people not about free public transport not about things that directly connected with people we're beginning to do that right we are in all the iterations and but yanis you know you've been part of from the whether it's the european green new deal the global green new deals the just transition the eco-feminist network the all of these things around the world are trying to do that so i have way more hope in that fundamental question of building power because that's the most critical thing but you're building power for something a demand for a vision and I don't want to quote the Bolsheviks or the Islamists but both of them if you look at their you know if you look at whether the Bolsheviks or the, or the jihadists or the Islamists they have a whole body of work of what they wanted in the world but what did they connect with people the Islamists talked about bread about justice. Right, And what did the Bolsheviks talk about? They talked about bread, peace, and and justice. So I think it's partly more about what is the big story we're telling and how do we make those stories relate to where people are so people can see themselves as being part of the future. And if they don't, they're never going to come with you. If they can see themselves as something better, then I'm I'm a believer that you can move people. And you don't have to move 100% of people, but you can move enough people that we can actually start to weaken uh, the the pillars of the, of the system as we've got it. Can I ask a
4: question? Because I'm interested in... Yeah, bravo. Thanks, Asad, for all of that. This, this, is, this is the thing that's perplexing me somewhat. I'm going back to the beginning, you know, to Brian, because Brian's talking about the millions. And I, I then realised that Brian was sort of talking about the climate thing. <laughs> And the movement, the global movement for people. I had no idea that's what this program was going to be about. I thought we were going to talk more broadly about solutions that necessarily are political to our predicament, we the people, we the many, who whatever. So I'd like to know how many Brian thinks we are, and also who we are. Are we people who are aware of? climate? Are we so, sort of Greta Thornburg followers? Or are we people who, who understand that the basic uh, financial inequality that pervades this planet is what is destroying us all, which is what Asad if I'm right, I don't want to put words into his mouth is is suggesting to us. So and so he encapsulated at the end with the idea that both the Bolsheviks and the Islamists were talking about bread. Okay. And and justice, that was the thing that struck me about it. And it all seems to come down to this. These millions of people, I don't know how many million they are, do they believe the basic folly of this belief? The accumulation of wealth for me or for anybody else? Is a good thing and something that I should subscribe to and something I should try and attain, which one could absolutely understand for somebody living on five hundred five dollars and fifty cents. I'm not sure how much a day, a week, a month. I don't know what the what we were actually talking about. Yeah, you want to? Well, actually, they don't want to accumulate wealth. They want enough bread to survive, and they want they want basic human rights. So they want shelter and they want food. And if they could get a bit of a healthcare system, wouldn't that be nice? And a bit of an education, even better. Now we're talking about paradise. This is paradise for most of us. I know I'm rambling, but I will get, I will get to something in a minute. Um, so what was it? Bread peace. It was bread, peace, and justice. When you ask these millions and millions and millions of people to go and stand in the street and say, we want justice for Julian Assange, four people turn up, or five, if you're lucky. Four or five. Where are the fucking millions and millions of people who want peace and bread and justice? Because you ain't going to get peace or bread without a bit of universal humanitarian law, which would include, for instance, not extraditing Julian Assange for actually being a publisher and a journalist, because we do need a fourth estate in any future imagining of what a fairer world might look like. We are going to need to be able to find ways of discovering what what is actually going on. So we're going to need people to tell us. All right, I'll shut up again, but bread, peace, and justice, what order do they come in is, what is I think, part of what I'm saying. And where are these millions of people? And why why is it so hard um, to galvanise them and to organise them? Well, organisation is a political thing. The reason I mentioned circus at the beginning is because a lot of propaganda... Which is what we, the people, need to get better at. It depends upon entertaining people as well. We know that you sell them ideas by giving them something that is sort of. And that's why I brought up the the model of the circus. It's not a model for society, but it's part of what we need to do. How do we make? How do we get a million people to watch this program? A million. That wouldn't be a lot to ask. That's a tiny number of people in a, in a global sense. If we get three or four hundred, we'll be doing well in the, these kind of podcasts. I know I, I I appear on lots and lots of them. You know, I'm sure we all do, and whatever. And we are, and it's tiny. The numbers are tiny of people who are even faintly interested in the conversation we're having. But Roger, I, I I'm, I'm sure you agree that the, the, the you know
2: people who this morning got up. At five o'clock, six o'clock in the morning, to do a soul crushing job yeah. for 10 day hours, 12 hours, not making enough money to be able to. I mean, they have bread in London. You know, they come home, they can't go to sleep at night, they toss and turn in bed because they don't know how they will make their mortgage repayment, their rent. Okay. They have no idea how they're going to provide for. The education of their children in the West, I'm not talking about Mozambique, I'm talking about now in Manchester, in Birmingham, in New York, in Athens, in uh, Ljubljana, right? Okay, they come home and they they switch on the idiot box and they want to be stupefied, they don't want to watch you and me talking about world peace and bread for everyone. They want to forget the fact that their life is such a fucking misery. This is the greatest um, mechanism by which the 1% of the 1% are keeping the 99.99% completely powerless. And I said, look, th- there's nothing in, that you said I, I disagree with. But uh, the, one of the mechanisms by which the establishment stays in power is by frightening people, saying to them, um, well, you're talking about against coal mining. You're talking about um, you know organic uh, agriculture. That means that you know you are not going to have a warm home in Manchester, in Glasgow, in Kiev, in uh, in Berlin. You have to be able to say to them, look, capitalism has created the tools and the machinery to provide enough bread for everyone, ten times over, enough warmth for our homes, a hundred times over, without destroying the planet, without coal. We can do that today. What stops us is property rights. The fact that those technologies, those machines, belong to the one percent of the one percent. This is why capitalism is killing the climate. So we need to combine a narrative of how we're going to take over the machinery that capitalism has won, with a narrative of how this is going to change, save the planet. So, so I don't, I
6: don't know if I can just j- jump in there. I think we're in a really incredible moment, right? Because obviously a lot of the ideas and our vision of the world about centering justice isn't new, right? We've all been striving all of our lives in these fights, but we're in a in an interesting moment that when you do opinion polls now globally, and not just in the global north, we're in the global south, but incredibly easy, more importantly in the global north, something like 85% of people say, tackling climate crisis is really, really important. We have seen a new movement of young people and people coming out on the streets that they've never not been out on the streets before. And this is an opportunity for us to politically educate them. So whether they start with the premise of capitalism is bad or start with the premise of I want to fix climate crisis, unless we are there telling a very different story with a potential political demand, then all of it, all of it becomes just... All you need to do is call for action. It doesn't matter what kind of action. And somebody, gov- some government and some technologies will solve this crisis. And we're saying it won't solve this crisis. And if you look at the last few years in the global north, the idea now increasingly amongst young people is capitalism is broken. It's so prevalent. right? You talk, Roger, about a few hundred people watching this. Look, there was a clip from one of our platforms in the COP26 coalition talking about colonialism. I think it's at 10 million views now, 10 million views, right? So I think there is a huge appetite out there. And it's really incumbent upon us is really understanding how do we produce content in the platforms that young people and different people use that is doing that political education. Because when we all first became politically active, there were different routes, right? You go to a public meeting, you hear a rally, you do all of these things. People are learning politically in lots of different ways. And we really have to be as smart as the 1% in terms of how are we providing content that doesn't sound like it's,
4: it's all about doom, right? Well, next time... Uh- can I and interrupt? Next time you come on, Asad, it would be great if you brought that clip with you and gave it to Joanne so we could throw it up on the screen now so that we can see what it is that you're talking about and what it was that attracted 10 million people to actually press play button on the thing and watch it and watch it again because you don't get 20, 10 million views without repeats people got yeah, it was a two-minute thing on
6: colonialism. That again and again and again, yeah, and again on again. climate and colonialism by vj prashad right i mean you vj yeah my yeah. mate vj exactly exactly,
4: exactly. Oh, i've seen that
6: clip of course yeah. i've seen it yeah yeah okay exactly now there's over 10 million views of that one clip right
3: now, do you really think it is fear as yanni said uh, that stops people or is it lack of faith in uh, the fact that another world is possible? Because I do think that it is that faith and that has been imposed on us, obviously, especially after 1980s. So, because I know that humans can act uh, against their fears when you know when meaning is there, when
6: they believe in things. I, I always start with this, saying that maybe one of the problems is the progressive movement or the left, do they actually genuinely believe that something is... If they don't believe it, how do you communicate that to anybody else? For too long, we've been just been content with saying, look how miserable the world is. Look how everything is bad. Look at the crisis. Look at the crisis. And actually, the elites have adopted all of that language. They say, yeah, there is a crisis. We've got the solution. So I think there is a dissonance amongst the progressive left also about being bold and radical and 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 i'm willing to seize this moment so maybe it's a new leadership of our movements will arise maybe it's different things that you know we we, you mentioned greta the fact that actually so many young people are being radicalized by greta and not by the traditional left right here's this young woman in germany who's doing a political analysis of climate, which is more radical than any mainstream NGO that there exists. That's quite incredible. So I think I I see there's lots of green shoots of hope. So we have to be incredibly hopeful, because if we're not hopeful, why will anybody else be hopeful that any change is possible?
0: Absolutely. That's I, I want to give the... I want to give the floor to, 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 to Dipti. Uh, before I do this, I just want to say that we've got 300 live viewers, so active viewers watching the show right now. Um, if we want this to get to a million, these 300 active viewers have got to share the video. you got to like it. You've got to subscribe to the channel because we know how a, a viral video works right it's uh it's it's one click two clicks and then it goes uh, all over so um if the 300 people watching us either on dm25 channel or on let's talk it over channel want to spread the this uh, amazing chat we're having um it'd be wonderful and now deep uh i'll shut up
4: before uh, before you before you speak dipty before you put it out edit vj's thing into it into this <laughs> Because we've talked about it, let whoever's watching see it yeah so that
0: they understand what we'll, we'll add the link right. one way or another to somewhere
5: So the reason that clip went viral and I think if we want this video to go to go viral what what we need to do is to tell the truth. I think that's really important. People are really hungry for the truth. And obviously, we need to tell it in a way that empowers people because the world is in a difficult situation. We are facing all of these multiple interrelated crises that Asad talked about, that we talked about in the last chat as well, which is exactly why we said, okay, we're going to talk about solutions, positive start the year. But I think we have to ground ourselves in that reality, in that truth, right? That this is, we're not in a good situation, but come. A- long let's get people's priorities into this movement so that we can build a movement with everyone i think that's what's important i think that's what goes viral right and going back to what what you were talking about Yanis, about the technologies i i completely agree with asad of course we're we're all com- comrades the issue isn't the technology, the issue is the value system behind the technology. And I think that is where we fail because we are not centering the experiences of those who are most affected by the capitalist system. What is the capitalist system doing? It's extracting. It's extracting from the land, it's extracting from people's bodies, it's extracting from women's bodies. Let's not forget that there is a gender justice and a patriarchy component to all of this as well. Hey, Jay, you, you'll agree with me surely. Uh, so, but, so, uh, so, what you were what you were saying earlier, you know, the person who has this completely dead end, you know, soul crushing job, and then they get home at the end of the day, and they only want to switch off their mind because their existence is 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 captured by capitalism in this way that it's taking the soul out of it, but that's why. And and this is the the, this is the truth of the movement that we want to build. Right. We want to put that value system back. We want to build this value system of cooperation rather than competition. We want to build this value system where that human being matters. Right. The, The people who are involved in this system, who are who are even propping up the system to to some level. Hey, come along with us. Don't be foot soldiers for this movement. Come along with us. I think that's the work that we need to do. Technologies are super dangerous as well, Yanis. We've got we're looking at geoengineering, right? Which is the intentional large scale manipulation of earth systems, something that we need to be really careful about. What do we do? We build a response to it. We've got this hands-off Mother Earth campaign. Oh which is saying no to geoengineering so we've got to put the justice component what asad said bread peace and justice really that has to be the basis of what we are building this movement with and truth telling people the truth and saying this is not easy but come along with us right that's how you get that's how you 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 build this movement bit by bit
2: yes but do not underestimate the importance of seizing the technologies that have progressive and radical potential and teaching the technologies that are lethal. Uh, technology is a two-edged sword, d- double-headed sword. Uh, the same technology that produced the vaccine against uh, um, you know, smallpox and saved millions of people. Was used in order to kill people with chemical weapons. So let's, you know, let's not say that technology is not what matters. We need technology. We need to grab the technology from the capitalists that are usurping it. And most of the technology, let's not forget, yeah. is being funded by research money that goes comes from the states, from the taxpayers, from the poor, from the women. We are not going to forfeit that technology. We're not going to say, oh, the technology is, you know, technology is a, a regressive thing, and we are going to abandon it and simply have good feelings amongst progressives. No, we're going to take the technology from them. We are going to ditch the technologies like nuclear, like geoengineering. Um, we're going to make sure that they are never used, never used, and we're going to use the parts of the technology that will provide the, the warm homes without CO2 gas emissions.
5: We put so- the justice in the technology. I think that's the important exactly. bit, sorry, that's I'm fine. sorry. Exactly. Whose experiences Whose experiences are driving the use of technologies? Whose experiences are driving decisions? And that should be the vast majority of the people. The people of Mozambique who didn't do anything to create these crises, right? The people of the Global South. Those are the experiences that we constantly need to center. And that's what we're trying to do in our work. Sorry, Asad.
6: No, no I just totally agree with you, Deputy. I I, I I absolutely agree with you. And I think this is really interesting, right? So when we, you you write about it beautifully, right? When we talk about the global financial architecture, we know that's tax and debt, and it's trade. Now, how do you get people into trade and recognizing the importance of fixing on trade? You actually start to demand climate waivers. You start to say, actually, these technologies to give people renewable energy, to give people right to food, should be owned by people and free. You. You Absolutely. Kind of one of the core things and... They should be
2: cooperatively technology. owned and operated yeah. at, and at a decentralized a level,
6: at a neighborhood level. Yeah, and it's a tangible demand that people can see is just, why should it be that this technology, yeah. which is you normal... Know the
2: beautiful thing, as I, sorry for interrupting, the beautiful thing about these new renewables is that they are... Decentralized by nature, by design, Uh, you know, if you take a a coal fired power station, it's one monolithic thing. That's why I'm against nuclear power. It's one big building that it's top down. By definition, you know, small scale solar, wind, um, cryogenic uh, air pumps, uh, batteries and so on are dispersed in the community and they are ripe for socialization.
6: Brian, I think you're right. Brian, you. Brian, yeah. Brian yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah. We can't hear you. You need to I unmute. You need your voice back.
1: It's uh, Frank. You're unmuted, uh, no. You can talk now, Brian. Bravo. Thank you. Next time you switch me off, Frank, will you switch me back on again as well? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an unmute button here. <laughs> uh, that wasn't the reason I was quiet for the last few minutes. I was letting everybody else have a chance. But what I want to say is that all of your opinions about what are the correct ways to deal with climate change really depend on how much of an emergency you think we're in. Um, so it depends on what you think the time frame is. The reason I support nuclear is because it's the only technology that we have that works at a large scale, is very clean and very safe. that that can produce large amounts of energy. I don't propose it as a long-term solution. I don't think it's going to be a long-term solution. I think we'll, in the meantime, come up with lots of wonderful new ways of generating energy. But right now, the one technology we have that can replace
2: coal, oil, and gas is nuclear. But, Brian, you you don't engage engage with what I'm saying? The simple thing, forget, I mean, of course, tell the people of Fukushima that uh, it's safe. But okay, let's forget that. Let's say that it is completely safe. Let's say that nobody, it is nobody safe. died from radiation poisoning. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Let's not get into that because I'll get all hot under the collar. But let's see. Let's let's agree for argument's sake. Let's let's agree. It will take 15 years before it comes online. It will be gigantically expensive. It will create a security state. It will fund oligarchs. It's going to destroy our movement. And you know, 15 in 15 years' time. You're you're making it sound as if saying it's something that can come online now. It cannot. It Look is at France. It's online now, it Yeah, okay. So it you're you're for maintaining it. It's very and small it, proportion. And Greens yeah. all over the world are shutting so it down. So you're not you're not suggesting that we build new power stations.
1: Look at I France. Think
2: we should as well. France has seventy percent of its electricity being produced by nuclear. French citizens, especially the poor, are paying through the nose for their electricity. They are not paying less than the Germans or the Greeks who don't have uh, nuclear power. So nuclear power is never in the interest of the many. It is always in the interest of, 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 of huge corporations that, that that manage them. It's exactly the opposite of what Assad was saying. The decentralized, you know, neighborhood-owned things that can go online tomorrow. Tomorrow, can not in fifteen years. I I don't
1: want this conversation to be dominated by nuclear power argument. (laughs) So I won't say any more right now. But um, I I think I could answer all of those questions given one condition that we agree that we're in a real emergency where we need to make radical changes, not in 20 years, but in the next few years, in the next two or three years. So anyway, I won't I won't go on about this anymore because it'll just hijack the whole discussion. I've seen many a discussion hijacked by this.
3: Uh, We have an impossible job. We are trying to make people understand the incomprehensible, the end of the world, one. And we are also trying to tell them that this is very related to their day-to-day problems, such as bread. So this takes a lot of courage, determination, and faith. (coughs) believing in uh, what we do. So as Asad and Dipti were saying, we need to be really hopeful. So I'm trying to finish this on a nice note, so to speak. Help me.
0: (laughs) I think the other thing... Sorry. I want deep tea. I think, oh, said, I think we, we're gonna have to wrap up the ideas for the show to be sort of around one hour. And I also know that Asad, you're gonna run to something else and deep tea as well. So before we close the show, I would love to give you um, sort of the floor again. So maybe, I don't know, deep tea, Asad, who wants to start? Okay, okay deep tea.
5: So I think what's important in what you just said, Eche, is what comes to my mind is solidarity. I think that's really important when we're trying to build this movement so that people can understand each other's struggles, right? So solidarity is my struggle, is your struggle, your struggle is my struggle. And... and we need to understand each other's realities. There are people that are really, really suffering right now because of the ravages of capitalism, because of 500 years of colonialism and, and genocide, and you know the way the world is constructed right now. So we need to be telling the truth, but we also need to be talking about the the, the beauty of human interconnectedness, the beauty of thinking about the earth and the earth's beings and the humans that are here as as one connected system you know Uh, you know if, if anyone thinks that we're trying to save the planet we're not the planet's going to be absolutely fine she's just throwing us off en masse what we are doing is protecting our ability to stay on this earth right rather than those those billionaires who are trying to shoot off in their you know phallus measuring contest to mars and things like that we're trying to and, and, and we're standing in solidarity with the poorest and the most vulnerable people on this planet to say it's not right, it's not just, and that's why justice should drive our decisions. And solidarity means understanding what other people are going through and feeling like I'm part of this, you know, and, and I've got a stake in building this movement and, and taking us forward.
4: So, it's, Frank, I'm, I'm just going to say something now because it's in my mind. Although my mind is, it feels like a bucket full of marbles, you know, with somebody <laughs> shaking it. So well done, all of you, brilliant. Um, but it's interesting to hear all this talk about, you know, the, the three isms, capitalism, imperialism, and colonialism, which, which Asad was talking about earlier. Couldn't agree with him more. Obviously, they're not the root of all evil but they're they're a huge part of everything evil that we are confronted with in those generations of human beings who are actually alive now and the other thing that i was really really interested very interested and impressed by is the idea of these small technologies that are local and that are controlled Yanis mentioned cooperative you know it's where i used to go and Go and buy the groceries at the co-op down on down on Cherry Hinton Road when I was a kid. <laughs> Cooperation is obviously fundamental to all of this, and the the other thing, the third thing that's come out of these discussions for me is the idea that of that property is unsustainable on an individual level. Right. We are all dead if we accept. That Mark Zuckerberg and Jeff Bezos can own the world and rule the world because they own it. So, so this brings me to one other t- tiny comment, which is, I'm quite involved in South America and in Canada, and also here locally in New York State, where I live, with Indigenous people who are trying to fight for the idea that our Mother Earth cannot be owned, that to, to treat the earth as property for individuals is a road to disaster, environmental, emotional, psychological, in, and in every possible way. And that is an idea that it go, runs absolutely contra to uh, capitalism, imperialism, and colonialism. Those three isms believe that the earth not only can, but should be owned by the people with the biggest army. And hmm. they're so wrong. It can be destroyed by those isms, but it will never be saved by them. And so I just, th- thank you, everybody, for the, for, the, for giving me this bucket full of marbles. <laughs> <laughs> no, I,
0: That's I said you've been I,
6: I just want to maybe on, end on a moment on, on the ma- that message of hope about the importance of justice, solidarity, internationalism, cooperation. And, you know, I think the, mo- the unique moment we're in is for a long time, what connected somebody fighting in Greece or in the UK with somebody fighting in South Africa or in India around the right to food This is a crisis. That is so profound it connects everybody so internationalism is not a nice add-on solidarity and cooperation are not nice add-ons they're intrinsic to fighting this that is unique that the global north which has benefited from the exploitation of the global south now finds itself and its citizens in a position where unless it takes on those demands of the global south as well mother earth about public control and distribution of food and energy those are the solutions that's what's unique about this moment it's a truly global moment because it's a global crisis and i always say for progressives i will end on somebody i don't follow of course but milton friedman and that's what we've got to to talk to, to you know when he said only a crisis actual or perceived produces real change and when that crisis occurs The actions that are taken depend on the ideas that are lying around. He said that's our basic function. Develop alternatives to existing policies. Keep them alive until the politically impossible becomes the politically inevitable. And that's the moment we're in. The politically impossible is going to become the politically inevitable. The question is is whether we've got a plan. They do have a plan. If you listen to their plan, they have got a plan about technology, about corporate control, about literally second... We have to have similar, a broad, ambitious plan. And our plan has got to connect with people because that's the only added dimension that changes the question of power. How do we wrestle power from them and how do we put it in the hands of people to transform this world? And I really believe that that is possible.
2: Here, here, That's a great way to end. And
3: it falls on you, Yanis, to invite the viewers of this program uh, to Progressive International at this point, I guess.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Thanks, everyone. And uh, yeah, a fantastic way to to end this program, Asad. Uh, Again, I think we could have spoken for many more hours, but you guys are all busy. Um, So again, I want to thank AJ, Brian, Yanis, Roger, Asad, deep tea for making this discussion uh, enlightening um if you're still watching make it viral you know let's get to a million and um and we'll see you i guess next month um for another show um thanks again everybody
5: thanks thanks, everyone. thanks everyone keep telling the truth <laughs> longita ¿cuándo volverás? Han pasado
6: ya seis cosechas, en el campo solo hay rastrojo Con tu
4: partida has dejado en mi alma solo abrojos Y a la rama de los sauces se inclinaron más al río ¿Para dónde marcharía? Pesta longuita cuando volverá. Para donde marcharía, questa longuita cuando volverá.